Hi, you guys. I'm your host, Shahira Jones, and welcome to another episode of Dating with Herpes. As always, it is my hope and prayer that you find this episode inspirational and informative. On the last episode of Dating with Herpes, I talked about some of the warnings that members in the herpes support group community had about PositiveSingles.com. I also shared some of my concerns about not being taken seriously after disclosing to my partner and some concerns um, that I had about the overly sexual nature in some of the support groups that I was a part of. On this episode, episode 23, I wanted to talk about something else that concerned me a little, and that's the conflicting information about the virus that I'm starting to find. So let's get started. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only one who does this, but I love doing research on this virus. It's like the more you know. (laughs) Y'all remember that? Like Saturday mornings after cartoons? (laughs) Anyway, I'm telling my age. But anyway, but I I like staying on top of what's going on, what's new, what's, you know, some herbal treatments that can be done, um, what type of foods. I should eat and you know things of that nature and I do a lot more research since I started this podcast Um, I'm always looking at ways to prevent what causes it and all that good stuff in doing research for episode number four that was the episode called myths versus facts that's when I learned and reported that once the virus enters the body it travels to the nerve center or nerve cells near the spine and stays there until something triggers it to become more active again and that's typically stress we all know that when that happens the virus then travels back down the nerve to where it first entered the bodies and that's what causes um new outbreaks and that's sores blisters we all know that and we know that that's called a recurrence right once you have the body i'm sorry once you have the virus your body creates antibodies against it which prevents reinfection of the same virus at least that's what i learned and i must admit this was a huge relief for me because for years i always i was afraid of reinfecting myself like when i bathed in the shower and i was having an outbreak i always was you know cautious to be very careful of where my hands lay like i would use a washcloth all of the time in that area and i, and I typically do that anyway but I would be extra careful to not let skin touch the, you know, touch the sore because I didn't want to reinfect another part of my body. Um, and so for years I would do that, but after doing research and learning what I just mentioned, I was relieved. And I mean, that, that took a load off of me. However, doing more research, I'm I'm now finding conflicting information now what sparked my recent um quest to do research um is that one of the three support groups that i am a part of i saw an increasing number of members posting pictures of their legs their hands their arms and other parts of their bodies questioning if the bumps that were in the picture were actually herpes now i thought to myself why would they think it was the virus And if it was, how did it get there specifically on their legs and their arms? You know, if it wasn't possible to reaffect ourselves, you know, because I had learned that months ago, you know, when I did this research down episode 14 for this podcast is that we cannot reinfect ourselves because 
our body creates antibodies. And this also means that if we sleep with someone who also has HSV2, we can't get HSV2 from them because the body has created antibodies. So we can't reinfect ourselves. So if you caught herpes at the genital, how did it then end up on your arm or on your leg? You know what I mean? And um, it just it just baffled me. So I wanted to do research to see how this could be possible. So I tried to find the article that I referenced before without actually listening to the episode because that was a pretty long episode for me. <laughs> Even though I did it, I didn't want to listen to it again because I've listened to my episodes quite a couple of times, you know, through editing and all that stuff like that. But I just didn't feel like sitting down and listening to the episode again. So I tried to find the research and hope that it would come up in my history, but it didn't. But so I decided to do new research and I found a frequently asked question sheet about the virus on Johns Hopkins medicine, um, website. And on the answer, frequently asked question sheet, I should say, there was a question that said, can herpes be transmitted from, I'm sorry, can herpes be transmitted to other parts of my body? That's the question. Now, the answer to that question, it states, if you have genital herpes or orofacial orofacial herpes, I know I'm not pronouncing that right, please forgive me, you cannot transmit the infection to another part of your body after the initial infection occurs. So I'm going to repeat that because I'm not messed up. If you have genital herpes or orofacial herpes, you cannot transmit the infection to another part of your body after the initial infection occurs. And I think orofacial is actual oral herpes. I mean, or that's what orofacial I mean, it makes sense to me, but, um, the answer goes on to say, if you have genital HSV2, you will not get HSV2 to another site in your body. The body produces antibodies to protect other parts of your body from infection. However, there are cases where an individual has multiple site infections from the same virus. This is usually acquired at the time of the initial infection. For example, if an individual has oral and genital sex with an infected partner, they can't acquire the infection at both sites because they are susceptible at the same time, at that time, excuse me. And, you know, so basically what this article is saying, the only time that you can have, like say for instance, um, uh, outbreak or initial, the only time you can have, um, outbreaks at two different parts of your body, say like your, your, um, genitals as well as your leg is, is if you actually, the person that you got it from had sex with you genitally and then put his junk on your arm or put his junk on your leg or she put her junk on your face and you, you know what I'm saying <laughs> I'm not trying to sound crass but I mean that's what this answer is basically saying so I found this um article like I said um this is an article from or this was a fact sheet from Johns Hopkins Medicine 
and the art and the fact sheet was located at hopkinsmedicine.org. And Hopkins is H O P K I N S M E D I C I N E.org. And that supports what I reported in episode four. And just for some of you who don't know what Johns Hopkins, even though I didn't really know too much, but I remember that name and I knew I heard it before. But Johns Hopkins Medicine is located in Baltimore, Maryland. And according to U.S. News and World Report, Johns Hopkins ranked number two among research-oriented medicine schools and has always ranked in the top three. So it's a pretty pretty good hospital and research center ranks either number two or three since its existence i'm I'm guessing (laughs) now here's where things get a little bit tricky for me and where i started finding a conflict okay because before finding the johns hopkins article i found multiple websites that conflicted what i just read from johns hopkins okay now, one site I would think would be reputable is Minnesota Department of Health, okay? So it's not like it's just a blog creating, you know, a bunch of nonsense. This is actually coming from the Department of Health in Minnesota. Now, according to the uh, Minnesota Department of Health, a person with genital herpes can spread the infections to other parts of his or her body by direct contact i.e by touching the sores and then touching other parts of the body and i found other pages during my google search that said basically the same thing what's not clear here is whether the person is touching the sore when they're having an initial outbreak or if they're touching the sore with just a regular outbreak that's not clear So how do we know what to believe? How do we know what is really true? You know, there's there's definitely some pieces of information that's missing. And it just makes me feel uneasy. Because what I once was like, ooh, this is a relief. Now I'm like, okay, now who's lying? Because this is not the same information. Are you there? Are you listening? Come here, I got a secret to share with you. It's a private group on Facebook called DWH. (laughs) Hey, you guys, it's your girl, Yahira Jones. Yes, I've created a private Facebook group called DWH, which stands for Dating with Herpes. So how do you get to this group? Well, you have to go to facebook.com forward slash Yahira.jones.1. Again, that is facebook.com forward slash Y-A-H-I-R-A dot J-O-N-E-S dot the number one. That's the first step. Once you're there, I need you to send me an inbox message stating that you would like to join the Dating with Herpes private group. Once you've sent me that message, I will send you an invitation so that you can join the link. Now, this is a brand new page, so 
There's not a lot of content on the Hybrid Jones profile page, but I do have content on the group page. So again, go to my Facebook page, yahira.jones.1. Send me an inbox message saying that you would like to join the group, and then I will send you an invitation. That's the only way to join at this time, but I want this to be a place where all of my listeners can come, share their stories with other listeners, and just be a community with each other. There are other, of course, herpes sites out there on Facebook, but this one I've created especially for you. So join me there. See you soon. And it's a little alarming because I get outbreaks often. I I think I told you guys a number of times that I get outbreaks pretty often, especially if I'm not taking suppressive medication. And right now, even with taking suppressive medication, I actually take a pill twice a day. I take um, a cyclovir twice a day. And right now, my body is really fighting to keep the virus under wraps and the reason why i'm saying it's really fighting is because i'm getting tingling sensations but nothing is actually surfacing and the tingling sensation is unnerving because i'm like when is it gonna break you know what i'm saying like i don't know if it's gonna break i don't know if it's gonna go away i don't know whether to keep my new guy at bay you know what i'm saying because i'm i'm you know (laughs) He is getting anxious, anxious. Like he's, I know in his mind, he's like, when are we? And I keep telling him, you know, look, I want to just get to know you first. I'm glad you accept my situation, but let's just get to know each other better inside. I want to do things. I want to do things with him, but I don't want to put him at risk and I don't want him to have a cause for alarm. Because I'm not going to sit here and lie to you guys. I sometimes, when I be looking at the support groups and I'm reading, um, you know, people say, well, I barely have outbreaks. Or even a close friend of mine, actually two of them, they told me that they barely have outbreaks. One of my good friends, she only had an outbreak, like, she had it before me. And she can count on two hands how many times she's had an outbreak. Me, on the other hand, I don't have enough fingers to count how many times I've had an outbreak. I, I can't even number them at this time. So I, I do get a little envious. So he could be one of the type of people who think, oh, you know, as long as you take in suppressive medicine or you probably don't even get it. I mean, we didn't really have a clear conversation about like how often I get outbreaks, how concerned he should be. But I don't want him to feel alarmed like every time that you know we become intimate with each other that he has to worry I want to just do the worrying for him so I don't want to give him any cause to be like you know I don't want to tell him like we can't have sex right now because I'm having an outbreak and this is our, this is going to be our first encounter you know what I'm saying like that's not a good way to start off you know and this this is what, you know, actually drains me when it comes to the virus. You know, as soon as I feel like I have the upper hand and gain control 
over, you know, what's happening and how the virus affect me, something else happens. But I'm determined, (laughs) this is not going to shake me because I'm determined to live a normal life. And although I'm, you know, concerned right now, I know that there's an answer out there and I'm going to do whatever it takes, whatever research, whoever I got to call, whoever I have to interview, I'm going to get to the bottom of which answer is correct. Is it what Johns Hopkins, Hopkins. (laughs) is it what Johns Hopkins medicine is saying or is it what Minnesota Department of Health is saying? You know, or are they saying the same thing? Am I misinterpreting? You guys tell me, let me know. What do you think? Do you think that it is still possible for us to reinfect ourselves if we touch a sore during an outbreak? Or do you believe that the body creates antibodies to prevent us from getting the virus or reinfecting ourselves? Let me know. Hit me up. All right. So since so many people post pictures wondering if the bumps on their bodies are herpes or not. I wanted to review some of the medical conditions that look like the virus, but is not actually the virus. All right. So one of the things that like, say we have, you know, a cluster of bumps on your skin, not near your genital or even near your genital. Don't assume that it is the virus. It's important for you to, you know, get it checked out by your doctor, go to your, um, your primary care physician, have them take a culture of it to determine what it is, because it doesn't necessarily mean that it actually, just because you have a cluster of bumps, doesn't necessarily mean that, or if you have a couple of bumps, doesn't necessarily mean that you have the virus. So one of the things it could be besides the virus is contact dermatitis. All right. Now, contact dermatitis is a skin condition that can cause red, itchy, cracked, dry, or scaly skin, blisters, or a rash. Like herpes, it reoccurs. And while it's not an STD, when it happens in the mouth or the genital area, it can be mistaken for herpes. So that's the first thing it could be. Another thing it could be is canker sores, especially if it's around your mouth. And they normally appear as small, round, or oval, whitish sores with red borders. And they typically occur on the tongue, the inside of the cheek, inside the lip, or on the gum. Canker sores cannot, are not caused by the herpes virus or by any other virus for that matter. In fact, the cause of canker sores is unknown. Although they may be triggered by minor injuries in your mouth or dental work or even brushing too hard, an allergy, a vitamin B deficiency, stress, or food intolerance. So those that's what canker sores are. Another thing that it could be um, is scabies. And when I saw this, I was like, scabies? I thought that was things pirates have. But <laughs> it says um, scabies is caused by tiny um, eight-legged, mites or eight-legged mites um that burrow into the skin to live feed and lay their eggs that sounds really nasty Ugh. these um there are many um millions of cases of scabies worldwide each year so this is something that's actually still going on it's not just something from the old days which is what i thought all right um it says herpes may be confused with scabies because 
both his both conditions um, can cause the skin to rash or cause a skin rash of small tiny bumps and blisters that spread through that can be spread person to person as with herpes the scabies skin rash is sometimes seen in genital areas it can be transmitted through close physical or sexual contact because the mites can move from one body to another all right um i wonder how you get scabies though where, where did it come from i don't know that just made my skin crawl <laughs> um also syphilis chlamydia and gonorrhea are commonly known stds and although these um stds have symptoms that may look and feel like herpes they are typically they are totally excuse me a different breed and as you probably already know this std is caused by bacteria and it's not a virus, which is the reason why it can be treated. Now, before I go, I wanted to send another thank you to a listener who emailed me last week. In the email, this listener said they didn't understand why I felt like I've been single for so long. I mean, maybe it's because I've been living through it. <laughs> but the reason why they said that is because I've had so many positive ex- um, disclosure experiences, which is true. Um, but what I told the the um listener and i'm gonna tell you is that even though i've had positive disclosure experiences in in the most recent years of dating the dating game is still very tough you know we all know that especially when you get older it gets harder um there's so many other factors that come into play and the reasons why i'm still single even though i think i'm great (laughs) but everything everybody thinks they're great um but i do date a lot And I'm grateful that the men I've told did not hold it against me. But at the end of the day, I'm still single. And I'm longing for a long-lasting relationship that will ultimately lead to marriage. And I'm not married. So, therefore, I'm single. And it's taken a very long time because I'm 41 years old (laughs) and never been married. Um, I just haven't found the right one yet. So, um, the um, listener also asks... Um, if I had any social media, um, I do, but I, I didn't link it to, um, this podcast, nor do I want to link it to this podcast. Um, I want to keep this separate. Um, a lot of people don't even know that I do this podcast because they don't know I have the virus. Um, nor do they need to know, you know, I told my closest friends, my circle of friends, which consists of about eight people. And I tell the people that I'm intimate with. So family members, associates, um, or friends that I don't consider part of my close circle, they don't need to know, you know, it's on a need to know basis at this time. And that's just it. So I may, um, eventually get social media for this page or for this podcast, but it won't be linked to my personal social media. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Dating with Herpes. Short and quick. I hope it was short and quick. It felt short and quick. Next week, I will be on vacation, so there will not be an episode next week. Um, If you would like to reach out to me like the other listeners, you can email me at yahirajoneshope at gmail.com. You can also go to my show notes and click the link to leave me a voicemail message. 
Or if you're listening via Anchor, you can press the message button at the bottom of this screen. Until next time, I feel like I was rambling this time. Guys, was I rambling? I I ate like two ice cream pops. Maybe I'm just on a sugar rush. (laughs) But until next time, I'm your host, Shahira Jones. Be safe and God bless.